0: From Connect Booster, I'm Ryan Goodman. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of talking to Carl Polichuk, author, owner of Small Business Thoughts, and president of the Great Little Book Publishing Company. Carl is an icon in the channel as a former MSP, an in demand industry speaker, and a respected thought leader. Here's what he had to say I can't tell you how many people in the last 10 years will say, man, recurring revenue
1: saved my bacon in the recession of 2008-2009 and that they wouldn't have gotten through it without knowing that on the first of the month, they paid their rent, paid their employees, kept the lights on, paid the internet. That recurring revenue base also gives you freedom to try new things
0: that you might not have tried before. Carl, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I know you are a busy man, and we're going we're gonna to dig into all of the plates you have in the air spinning and <laughs> all the value that you're adding to the community. It's really impressive. And so again, you know, just thank you for spending some, well, some time with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Ah, you're very welcome. It's an honor. Um, and also really interested in discussing um, you know, the ways that MSPs can tune up the financial side of their business. I know that's one of the areas that you have certainly helped a lot of channel partners with over the years. Um, But before we get into that, I'd really like to get a a few other uh, questions out of the way. Are you, are you cool with that?
1: Sure. All right, great.
0: So let's get really one of the basics out of the way. Uh, Can you give us a really a hundred thousand foot view of, of, what you do inside of the channel and where people can find you online. Cause there's a number of different places. Well, sadly this year, they can't find me at any shows,
1: <laughs> right. but uh, online I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, my website, my primary website is smallbizthoughts.org. And, um, but I'm also, uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's also Small Biz Thoughts. So, mm-hmm. Uh, fairly easy to find. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to engage with anybody. I always tell people, you know, I'm, I want to chat on all of these social media. So, you know, please connect.
0: Well, it's fun. I mean, you're, you're a hard guy to miss because you're so engaged inside of the community. So, um, I mean, from, from courses to um, spinning up cloud to spinning up an MSP, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, there's, there's just a ton of really really good, not, not just good content, but actional content. And I guess that really rolls me into my my next question for you. You know, you're so well-rounded in the industry from from running an MSP and your, yourself from the past. You know, I, to say you're well-rounded would really be kind of an understatement. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's be honest, but I'd really like to go back. How did you get started, you know, in the technology industry? So it's interesting. So going way, way back, um, I used to run
1: IT uh, infrastructure for a, a subsidiary of a major corporation. Okay. And, um, and then I decided, you know, I, I want to go out on my own. And I thought I would be the kind of consultant that I am today. But uh, what I wanted to do was to help people download political information and run reports So, that lobbyists and state agencies could get better information out of the public data that was being produced. That's really interesting. Um, But the first consulting gig that I got was with HP. Okay. And it was to manage their internal tech support at the Roseville plant in Roseville, California. So, suddenly I was in charge of uh, 25 technicians and all of the internal tech support for HP Roseville. Wow, and uh, we also managed their backups and the uh, UNix help desk so uh, it turned out my first job had nothing to do with politics, and even though that's where my degrees are, sure. uh, I never had another political related job again and so i uh I just went from there to the next and the next, and then eventually decided, you know I want to have more than one client at a time, and so yeah. uh, i started taking on additional clients and moved from being the kind of consultant that has one client at a time to the kind of consultant that has multiple clients and uh from there because my background came from a certain industry and a certain way of doing things mm-hmm. I documented everything I documented processes and procedures mm-hmm. I signed contracts right I did all these things and then found myself in an industry where at least you know, in 1995, nobody signed contracts, nobody, uh, you know, documented anything. It was all in somebody's head or it was on an Excel spreadsheet on the back of a napkin or whatever. And so I started talking to people about how I document stuff and I I wrote the network documentation workbook. Yeah. uh, And it just sort of snowballed from there. And I remember the first time somebody saw a book on documentation, He told me, you know, you're giving away all of your your secret sauce. And I'm like, there is no secret sauce. It's just a form for how you configure a router, right? Right. (laughs) right. There's no magic here. It's just, you you need the standardized form and you need standardized processes. And so I just started writing books on the side and eventually created a company specifically to distribute my
0: books. Yes. Yeah. Because you self-publish now, don't you? Like all of the right. projects that, yeah, that's that's cool.
1: Yeah, so we, we publish our own books and that gives us the freedom to price it as we want. Yeah, You know, some books are not available on Audible because they will not let you charge more than a certain amount of money. Sure. And, you know, one of the things about nonfiction is that, you know, when I write a book, it's it's a tool that you can use to improve your business. It's not like fiction where you're going to read it once, put it down and never look at it again, you're going to go back to it again and again. And so uh, as a tool, it has more value than, uh, you know, entertainment.
0: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And so now everything that you're that you're doing, uh, you know, it, it started with books and documentation and you've been able to roll right through into the digital age, are you finding yourself focusing um you know more on the the digital media now versus the um the the written books or you know what's that mix for you well it's
1: it's still a written book most of my stuff although you know we do a lot of podcasts and audio stuff and and all of that. Um you know whatever people want to learn I have to be honest, I've never been a fan of learning by video because I have to slow down and learn at the pace of the video, Hmm. where with reading, you know, I read pretty fast and and I can read at my own pace. Um, But other people like video. And so I started, you know, a YouTube channel and um, I've really been pushing a lot of that because it's what people like. And one of the rules of publishing is you don't get to control how people want to consume your stuff right? So you have to put it out in audio and uh, Kindle and, you know, for the iPhone, (laughs) everything else. So when we produce a new book, uh, I've got somebody that does all the internal layout and then she gives me the formats in Kindle and and all of these other formats so that they can be published everywhere.
0: Oh, that's really neat. Have you uh, expanded that business at all, you know, outside of your projects or is that something that You really keep exclusive to uh the the projects that you work on the production the the publishing side yeah
1: yeah i i pretty much do my own stuff i published a couple of other people's stuff but most people somehow think that if you're the printer or the publisher that you're going to be promoting their stuff and that just never works right Uh, right. at, at the end of the day i always tell people you know when the president of the united states writes a book you know, it steps, you know, out of the White House, writes a book, right, makes a million dollars. The minute that they step off the stage and stop pushing their book, the book publisher lifts up the books, puts them on the closeout table, and they're done, right? Interesting. The, the, the lesson is no one else can promote your book. <laughs> so no matter who you are, uh, if you're not
0: promoting it, neither is anybody else. So do you find that uh, correlation, you know, in businesses as well as MSPs or marketing, you know, there's all this affiliate stuff, but it would also seem, you know, along the lines of, you know, if, if, if you're not in the business being passionate about it working, you know, it's and having some semblance of control, it's maybe as tough to be as effective out. Yeah. Out the that's a great question grow. because um, I, I do find that a lot of people, you know,
1: they, they go on and on about how, Oh, you know, we, we're always you know getting referrals and all of this uh referrals are kind of overrated in my opinion, sure uh, first of all, if I try to refer someone to your i t business, I may get wrong what you do, what emphasis you want to put on things. I may say, "Oh, he's cheap, and he works you know on Sunday night for no extra money and right, right. call him twenty four seven or you just send him a tweet and he'll respond. Right. Like, that's not what you want your business to be marketed as, right? right? Or they say, you know, he's good with security and stuff, and but I'm not sure that he's like up to speed on the wireless, right? Sure. Well, you don't want him saying that either. You want a nice warm introduction and then yeah. shut up and go away so I can right. sell my own business. Uh, so I, I do think that you have to manage the referral process and not just beg for
0: referrals and let somebody else be in control of it so oh that's 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 great advice. i'm gonna shift a little bit of gear on you here um you know it's been a crazy year i I hate to to date these things, <laughs> but it's still so relevant right i mean just in in the chaos and even even to the point earlier, you know um we're not seeing everybody out on the road like like we were right. just just you know a, a few few short months ago um what are some of the biggest hurdles that you you see m s p s Uh, um, face? I mean, not only in the midst of it, but even as we're coming out of this thing, you know, what are, what are some of those hurdles that you think need to be on the radar? Well, you know, it's funny when this first started,
1: I created a series of videos that basically were like, Hey, here's what you need to know. Money's going to disappear. Yeah. Make sure that you're getting paid in advance. If you, if you miss this, thing that I've been promoting for the last five years, which is to get prepaid for everything. Right now is the time to adopt it because you're about to learn the hard lesson that people will stop paying and, and they'll make all the excuses and all that. And suddenly people say, well, you know, I'll pay you when I can and I'll get around to it. And by, you know, whatever means I feel comfortable and blah, blah, blah. Well, people who had never experienced that because they'd had good paying customers because they came into business, let's say in the last five years, right? Suddenly they're in a recession, money is tight, people mm-hmm. can't pay. And so they are learning the lesson that anybody who's been in business 10, 15, 20 years already knows, right? There right. are people who are happy to pay on time or even early when there's no recession, right. but when their money dries up and their clients stop paying, they don't have any choice. Right. They have to prioritize things and you may or may not be the top priority. Yeah. The game, the game changes. That's huge. And so getting back to more specifically about your question, several companies have announced they are not doing any live events in 2021. Right. So they expect this to drag on for quite a while. So you go from one game to a, a different game, right? We were in the game of getting everybody remote. And our, to be honest, our industry stepped up and did an amazing job. Incredible. We, we, we be, partly because we've been doing this for 20 years, right? right? You, you and I have been on video calls for a long time doing remote support. We've got the tools. And so it was super easy for us. And it you know, may not be easy for a lot of businesses that have never been run remotely before, mm-hmm. but. We stepped up and we showed them how. And so that getting into it has you know, been super successful. Yeah. The long play of managing an ongoing business or an attorney who didn't expect to be doing this for a year or a manufacturer that didn't expect to be doing this for a year and a half, uh, it's going to be a different game. So we just have to be very careful and very intentional about it still got a plan for when people go back to their offices and and I'm a big believer you have to ignore most of the advice about the future because people say oh nobody's ever going back to your office right. trust me people are going stir crazy they can't <laughs> wait to get back to the office <laughs> agreed <laughs> so but we don't know when that will happen but when it right. happens we need to be ready and we need to have a plan so it the good news is this is our opportunity to start having zoom calls or whatever with clients engage them in these conversations talk about what the plan is so on the day that their state or their province opens up they can actually execute the plan and and it's not a sales call right yeah yeah it's just a matter of remember what we talked about okay let's do that
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh that's great advice and perspective and you know that really ties into um really next questions around monthly recurring revenue. And, uh, you know, we internally end up working with a lot of different, you know, business models that have a mix of, you know, whatever percentage project recurring, you know, uh, uh, you know, one time, whether it's, you know, still in hardware type sales, uh, but monthly recurring revenue, at least from our perspective, we're finding to be really, really important through these times. Um, is there a perfect mix that you're seeing out in, in the industry? That's a loaded question, man. I, I feel bad even asking it. Um, well, but, but it I is, know. you know, that predictability <laughs> seems to be so it's important. Funny. I don't know that
1: there needs to be a perfect mix. There needs to be a good, solid base. What recurring sure. revenue does for you is it gives you a base that gives you a certain level of freedom. I can't tell you how many people and I know that you've talked to them as well, that in the last 10 years will say, "Man, recurring revenue saved my bacon in the recession right. of 2008, 2009." right right and, and that they wouldn't have gotten through it without knowing that on the first of the month, they paid their rent, paid their employees, kept the lights on, paid the you know the internet, and so it goes a long, long ways. And then since then, when the economy was going really well, that recurring revenue base also gives you freedom to try new things that you might right. not have tried before. Agreed. So it's huge. And you know, even if the project labor disappears for a month or two or six, that recurring revenue can still keep you literally keep you in business. yeah that's
0: that's good perspective. and I, you had mentioned something um. About a minute ago, that I wanted to, to highlight, which I think is really, really important. You had you had talked about having conversations about what the next phase of people going into the office looks like, and doing that now because when the time to execute on that, it's not a sales call. It's, right. It's it's going through the plan, and and it, I mean that is sales, but it's not salesy. I mean that's it's it's brilliant. And I really want to highlight that. It's, it's the preparedness and, and, you know, game planning for the future. And, um, you know, you a lot of times have mentioned bad sales habits that, that MSPs have. Um, you know, what are some of those poor practices and, and how, how can we teach them or, you know, your, your insight there and how to prepare for what the next wave of revenue is going to be? Uh, What are some of those things that they can be doing to get out of those bad habits and be doing the right habits like you had mentioned? Well, I think the most important piece is
1: to have this literally ongoing, never ending conversation with your Mm. clients. And I call them roadmap meetings, but basically, you know, get together and now's a perfect time. Literally today, contact your clients one by one and say, I want to set up a Zoom meeting. And, it's, and tell them, this is not a sales meeting. I want to talk about, you know, when you go back to the office, now that you've been working remote and with the server sitting in a closet, when it's time to replace that server, can I please move you to cloud services? Sure. And here's, here's the plan. Here's what we think that you should be doing. Uh, or, you know... You've gotten addicted to these certain tools. Would you like to bring some of these remote tools into your daily operations? We'll set you up with some laptops, make sure they're secure. We'll have all these conversations, and we can even make some decisions. And, you know, for example, you know, at some point, your backup is going to, you know, get old and start being unreliable. So let me, you know, introduce you to cloud backup. And what does that look like? OK, and we can have that conversation. We can even talk a little bit about the, the money side, but um, it's just only to give you a ballpark. And then when it's time to execute, it's literally all you say is, remember, we talked about this. When the BDR dies, we're going to move you to cloud backup. OK, let me get you an invoice for that. Awesome. And so it's it's very easy. But in a recession, again, this is such a great time to say, okay, as you start moving people around, maybe we make sure that we get the newest machines on the desktops of the people that are not being laid off, right? And let's take those other machines of people who have been laid off. Let's go ahead and take them offline. Make sure that you're not, you know, you're not being charged for the monthly fees. Right. But you're also, they're not plugged in and getting virused up while nobody's sitting there. Right. And then when it's time to put them back online, uh, we'll do that in an orderly fashion. And you get to decide whether you need to buy a new machine or uh, bring that one back into service. But we'll make sure that we update it first and so forth. You make all those decisions when there's no money on the line. Yeah. And it just it it's a casual, comfortable conversation about their technology. And clients just feel like they can trust you and that you're having a meeting. It isn't costing them money just to, you know, sell you something.
0: Yeah. While you're Uh, there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It it goes a long, long ways. And then to be honest, when you come and say, okay, remember what happened back in the recession uh, and we were looking out for you today, unfortunately, I have to tell you, you've got to buy a new firewall. Yeah. Uh, And they're going to say, yeah, I understand, you know, and it goes a long ways to, to actually get people to talk about you know, recycling their hardware and all this kind of stuff. Um, and again, at a time when you're not trying to obviously make money off of it.
0: Hey guys, Ryan here for a quick break from our show. We want to thank Carl for joining us on today's episode. You can find out more about Carl and his many hats at smallbizthoughts.com. Now this wouldn't be an ad break without running some ads, so I'd like to talk to you about our product, Connect Booster. Connect Booster is the premier accounts receivable management and payment automation tool for the channel. When our partners invoice, bill their clients, Connect Booster automates the payment, automates the accounting, and gives 24/7, 365 visibility into end clients, so they can see current invoices, past invoices, auto pay settings, securely stored checking, credit card data, and so much more. We all know it's hard enough to get in the door of a prospect. It's hard enough to close the deal. It shouldn't be hard to accept their money when the sale is made. If your business isn't one of the thousands that is getting paid faster with Connect Booster, reach out to us at connectbooster.com to learn more how you can automate your cash flow. Before we get back to the show, we want to let you know all the ways you can find us online. Visit our website connectbooster.com slash podcast to listen to new episodes before they air on the podcast network. If you'd rather wait, our episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and really anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So search Connect Booster on your favorite platform and subscribe to get notified when there's a new episode. If you have suggestions for future episodes or want to be a guest on the podcast, please email us at podcast at connectbooster.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter and we'll point you in the right direction. Lastly, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes and tell us why you like it. Thanks for listening to the confessions of an IT business owner. We'll get back to the podcast and talk to you soon. brilliant hope everyone's taking notes i'm taking <laughs> notes i hope everyone else is taking notes <laughs> start writing if you haven't go back <laughs> listen to that again um you know that 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 philosophy you know you'd said a a, a never ending discussion now do you like to do you like to be um formal in that schedule like a like a qbr or you know how do you keep track of that cadence with your with your clients and what are your recommendations on making sure that constant right. conversation is so happening we we never really called them you know qbrs
1: quarterly business reviews simply yeah. because it's almost impossible to get somebody to do it every quarter even the sure. best clients so what we would do is very simply as soon as we're finished with a roadmap meeting i ask my admin to get in touch with that client and schedule the next one as soon as possible. And so you know they'll they'll say, well, let's try to do this in three months, and then but it'll turn out to be four or five or six. Sure. Um, but as long as somebody's got the job of making that appointment, you just yeah. make it as soon as you can. You're unlikely to have anybody actually do it more than two or three times a year. Okay. So, and I've told the story before, but I'll tell you that. Uh, the last time, so I have built and sold two managed service businesses. And the second time that I sold a business, uh, probably a year later, I was at an airport in Southern California and I ran into a former client. And she's literally one of my best clients ever. And she yeah. said, hey, you know, can you talk to Tom? Because we haven't had a uh, roadmap meeting since you left. And uh, can you help us organize something? And I said, sure. So I you know, called Tom and I organized the meeting. And so the three of us sat down and I think Tom was blown away at the value of these meetings for her because she had bought into replacing a third of her equipment every year. So it's always under warranty. So the first part of the meeting consisted of him taking orders as she said, we have to replace these machines and these machines, and this machine is is two years old, so we'll be replacing it next year. And it looks like we need five machines, and we'll schedule them a month apart. and that way we've got a nice even flow and you know da 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 da. And he was literally taking orders for the first fifteen minutes. And that's the value of that because yeah. after many, many years of having these regular meetings, She was just in the flow and she was kind of feeling like out of her element because she hadn't had a meeting about technology. Um, And we also did a checkup on, you know, that they had replaced the firewall. So it's not due for another two years. And, you know, here's what's going to happen with uh, moving the the final data to the cloud and so forth. Um, But that way she felt like she'd gotten kind of a checkup to make sure that somebody had thought about her technology because she doesn't want to.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's smart. And I mean, it's just, uh, um, it's such a professional approach too. you know, that, that trusted advisor consultant. Uh, I love, again, man, if you guys aren't taking notes on, on the process (laughs) of sales and the ability to pregame, but it's, but it's all value add too. So, I mean, it's, I mean, there it's, and and you're, you know, using that empathy to draw out the real business issues where there's no barrier then, you know, in, I right. mean, you're really now dealing with the issues versus this weird sales process where they're, they've got cards against their chest. And I don't want to <laughs> really talk about this because I don't want to spend the money over here, but, but they're causing real business issues. You Right. Know? Well, and you know, so many people in our industry like to say,
1: Oh, I'm no good at sales. I hate sales. I, you know, blah, blah blah. It's like, okay, this doesn't feel like sales. This feels like me telling you that's a really insecure wireless access point. Can we, you know, please replace that sometime? Yeah And you know, planning for the future. The other thing is, again, in the middle of a recession, if you are helping your clients get through this by moving equipment around and not spending money, they actually see the value of you as a consultant, right? Not just a technical salesperson. And that goes a long, long ways because at the end of the day, we are moving so much stuff to the cloud that more and more, we're not gonna see stuff break. And so your value has to be as a consultant, not as a technician.
0: Good point, really good point. And I, you know, all of this is really um, an undertone of creating that client loyalty as well. I mean, it's so expensive Absolutely. to replace a customer, um, you know, versus continue to grow uh, a wallet share and, and the value and the relationship, you know, inside of that current client relationship. Um, that shifts me to an uncomfortable question, um, which is when would an msp what are the situations that can come up where maybe they're working with a client that's not ideal anymore and you know what would be the process or uh, of of i don't want to say firing but <laughs> separating yourself from <laughs> serving that business anymore and 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 if and if you're in that situation do you have any suggestions on how that should be done properly you know it's the, the never burn a bridge it's it's me, not you. I don't know. You know. I, right, I think right. I think we could all use some some great so, tactical what, advice. What's around funny that. is uh,
1: I've discussed the uh, what I call weeding your client garden okay. many many times for the last fifteen years. Written blog posts about it. Written chapters about it in my books. Uh, I happen to be at you know as we record this teaching a class on the Managed Services in a Month book, mm-hmm. and so. In the last class, I covered this exact topic about how you evaluate your clients. And I basically, you should create a list of criteria that are important to you. Do they pay on time? Do they have interesting projects? Are they nice to work with? You know, you don't have to say, do they invite us to their, you know, company barbecue, but it's a good indicator that they're nice people, that they treat you with respect, right? Some of the criteria are financial. Some of the Mm -hmm. criteria are about that, you know, their technology, Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the criteria about them as human beings. I'm a huge fan of, I only work with people I like. Right. And that's true of employees, clients, vendors, distributors. And so for me, that's a big emphasis. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you figure out these criteria. And what I encourage you to do is to have everybody in your company evaluate every single client. So if people in the front office have worked with clients, they get to evaluate them on all of these criteria. Some of them, they may have no comments one way or the other. Sure. But the people in the front office may see, they may say that a certain client doesn't treat them with respect, where the technicians get a little more respect, the owner gets lots of respect, right? You as the owner may have a very different view of how your employees are treated right then, Great then your point so you got to take the big big picture and then you know obviously you know you want clients who are profitable and so forth but yeah if you've got clients that don't pay on time don't treat you with respect and you know are just not nice to work with it hurts you not at all to get rid of them reduce the total amount of stomach you know acid in your company and you know, go find somebody who's nicer to work with. So yeah. I, I did this class. And two days later, somebody that I've known for more than 20 years, sent me a note and said, he had fired two of his clients based on that exercise. And it was, it was he said, it, to be honest, it was overdue. And they were not very profitable. And I'm happy to have them not in my business anymore. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, this is one of the few things where people, uh, you know, challenge me on Reddit and some of these other forums. Carl doesn't understand, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, Carl does understand. I've built a couple of businesses. Yeah. We have weeded down, you know, our clients. And the goal is always to find a client that looks more like your top 10 clients. Sure. You know, not not the most uh, expensive clients but the ones that are the nicest to work with who are just they take your advice they do what they're told they're super profitable um and they you know they're good to work with go get another client like that and get rid of one of the bottom clients you know and you just basically work your way into a better more profitable business that's better for you to work in better for your employees Um, And it gradually happens over time, you know, you don't, you don't fire 50% of your clients tomorrow, right? (laughs) Um, But if you describe a lot of your clients as jerks, you fire them eventually. Yeah, yeah. Make the list, right? So yeah, because I mean, you don't want to work with those people
0: and your employees don't want to work with those people. So make your life better. Yeah, well, and I, you know, you really, you really tied, um, that back to also a big element in company culture you know what i mean and and how people are being treated and and getting them involved in the process of evaluating that client base you know uh i don't think that can i don't think that can help but create unity inside of the organization everyone rowing you know in the boat the same way because you're, you're 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 fostering that input which is uh really not only valuable but so nice and inclusive that they. The, those individuals feel like they're an important part of the organization, no matter mm-hmm. where they, they sit in the function that they play.
1: And, you know, company culture has to come from the top down, Agreed. You know, or as my brother says, otherwise it grows from
0: the bottom up. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, don't, just don't try that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just <laughs> well, the funny thing is,
1: you know, most of us who are independent consultants, we got this way because of the, of a previous boss who was a total jerk. Sure, right. So, good point. Don't be the jerk that people want to leave. <laughs> don't so produce can,
0: consultants. Exactly. Do not be a consultant creator. So, <laughs> that's a. That your goal. Line of the day there. That's really good. That's really good. Um, a question that I like to ask. Um, just a little bit of reflection. So, again, being in the industry and uh, being a professional for a long time, you know, if you were to talk to yourself 10, 20, 30 years back, you know, getting in, getting into your professional career. Is there any specific advice that you'd really like to impart upon the younger, the younger Carl versus, uh, you know, what you know now? So on
1: one hand, I would say so much advice. It's, you know, I could write a book about it. On the other hand, I, I have. So Uh, you know, one of my, my most recent book is the absolutely unbreakable rules of service delivery. Yeah. And that literally comes from my experience. I would say rule one, which I'm trying to think probably took me seven or eight years to figure out is that you absolutely have to do everything you can to get paid in advance for everything. You know, every every bad customer experience you've had is probably related. Well, probably ninety percent of them are related yeah. to money. Make money a non-issue. You've agreed to pay me, and I've agreed to deliver this service. Here, here's a way where I can do a, a automatic payment, and it just happens. Right. And um, so that's a huge, huge one. And um, again, you know, you look at this recession. Nobody knew when the next recession was going to be. But I can tell you, I knew that if you had been paid in advance for everything, you wouldn't have a financial crunch at the beginning of the recession. <laughs> right, right. <Really laughs> so, so that's one of the biggies. Uh, another one is, and again, this is one of these things that took me a long time to figure out. <clears throat> Ignore your competition, hmm. they are irrelevant. Your clients are not going to very very few of them are actually going to shop around and if they do they're shopping on price right so just raise your rates and go find somebody else and you know there's so many examples of people who say oh nobody around here buys managed services or nobody signs an ongoing contract and blah 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 and yet across town there's somebody who's doing it I I, it's it's hard for people to believe that this is true, but I built several businesses on this model. Do what you want to do and then go find people who want to do business your way. Right. I mean, look at Costco versus your grocery store. The grocery store is happy to have you come in there 14 times a day, buy a stick of gum uh, and put it on your credit card. Costco wants you to come in there once a month spend $400 and do not come back for another month because it costs them money every time they interact with a client. So, you know, completely different business models, both very, very successful. Right. And you look at, I mean, everybody who's out there does business differently and they're all successful. So success does not depend on picking the right business model and executing it perfectly. It depends on executing well your business model and what you want to do. Now, you hear sometimes you hear this advice of, you know, oh, if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. That's fine if what you love makes money, right? You were, if you want right. to play hacky sack and watch reruns, Probably you're not going to be successful with that. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So, you know, you you take the advice uh, with a grain of salt. but For sure. But, you know, really, I mean, you've looked at it. You've, you've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of managed service providers. Mm-hmm. And you talk to them and you say, do you do per device or per user? And they go, well, we have this hybrid because we do this and this, but we also do that. And we'll bolt on a couple of those. You right. say, oh, okay, well, what's your markup? Well, our markup depends on whether it's hardware, software, an existing client or a one-time project. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. It's like, every time you ask, your perceptions about how they might be doing business, they come up with something different. The right. number of business models in this industry is phenomenal. And so you can be successful doing almost anything you want to do as long as you find people who will do business your way. Oh, that's And so, nice. you know, just don't worry that your competition has a bundle of five licenses and, instead of three or that right. they're selling, you know. Google this and that instead of you know Microsoft Office. I mean, it, just do what you think is good and go find people who want to do business your way.
0: you know i I hear in what you're saying also i I associate you with these three words, the relax, focus, succeed <laughs> uh, 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 mantra, and I hear that right through the 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 you know uh, uh, don't worry about it, right focus on what you're doing and get to work and make it happen. That's
1: yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, you know, I give lots of advice and it's funny in my books, I kind of take this approach of I'm not going to lay out every possible way that you could do your business. Right. I'm going to lay out the way I do it. Yeah. And then I'm going to be very, very emphatic. Now, take this. Strip out what doesn't work for you, add what does, create your own thing, right? So even though I'm very uh, prescriptive in the way I write, I put a lot of emphasis on, you know, but if it doesn't work for you, <laughs> don't do that, right? So, you know, it's, it, it's a big piece of it that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that you can be successful if you just keep working at it, you know, do do anything well. Uh, for
0: 10 15 20 years and you'll right. be suddenly successful. Oh that's that's great advice. Well Carl I could uh I could keep you on here for literally <laughs> 3 hours. I I could. I mean, we'll have to I I have so many other questions I want to ask you but I I also want to respect your time. Um you know, for all of our listeners, I don't know I have notes everywhere. So I need <laughs> to go back and and consolidate these but I think that's just a representation of uh just some of the valuable uh, topics and advice that, that we had covered. So um, go check out, I mean, here's, here's what you do. You, you go Google Carl and you will find all of the resources. He's not hard to find. He's exactly right. He's being very humble in the beginning of the podcast of where you can, where you can find him. So uh, reach out. There's, there's just tons of great uh, uh, business advice and uh, it's hard to even pick a single one to focus on, but um if you're not opposed to it, I would love to do this again because I have a whole bunch of other uh, sure. stuff that I I, uh, I I would love to just uh, draw draw out of you because uh, this has been an awful lot of fun and and selfishly it's uh, it's also been a great value to me. So thank you <laughs> so much for the time. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here and I'd be very happy to come back and do it again. Awesome. Thank you, Carl.